I had an art teacher, Kathy Connor, and Mrs. Connor, she taught me like design and art is everything that we do, from the clothes we wear, the cars we drive, uh, the, the roads, how they're laid out, the road signs. Someone has to create that artwork. Someone has to sit down first with a pencil and a piece of paper and think, what do we need here? What's the problem we need to solve today? And she said, that's someone's you, Jason. You, you can do whatever you want. So that opened up my eyes. Hi, I'm Dale Doherty. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by 3D Experience SolidWorks for Makers, design tools for your hobbies and personal projects. It's easy to learn, fun to use, and just $99 a year or $9.99 a month. Design, create, share. What do you want to make with 3D Experience SolidWorks for Makers today? Welcome to MakeCast. I'm Dale Doherty, and I'm joined today with Jason Poole, who is, I believe, in upstate New York, and he's joined us from his garage workshop. And also, I have David Groom, Make's community editor, joining in this conversation, and we just want to learn more about what Jason is up to, what he's done, and how he got there. Welcome, Jason. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's it's awesome to be on with you guys, Dale and David. But yeah, let's let's do it, man. Let's jump in. <laughs> Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Mendota, Illinois. Okay. So it was an agricultural town, Southwest of Chicago, about an hour and a half. And both my grandfathers were big farmers in the area. And it just, it was just a way of life for me growing up in the Midwest, got all four seasons and just had a lot of fun. Were you around a lot of equipment? I was. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, combines, tractors, four-wheelers, snowmobiles, dirt bikes, stuff like that. Stuff to have fun with. Go-karts. Man, was- you know, some, sometimes said, you know, in the golden age of American engineering, well, it was a group of farm kids that were around a lot of machinery that could fix anything. And then they went to where your colleges and learned the theory and other things associated with that. Today, we, we actually have a different problem is people don't grow up necessarily around machines and they don't know much about them and they learn the theory but they don't have the practical side with that i remember my dad had a little workshop and my my grandfather he had a workshop where they repair equipment i was always in there and it was always like simple things like a bench grinder you turn that thing on but but whoa boy and I just find a two by four and have an imagination and turn it into a sword or a gun or something crazy and uh, just grind away at it. Still remember like that smell of that burnt wood, gasoline to me. And I'm like, oh man, this smells great. Like I, I smell that burnt wood and it just, it gets me fired up. It takes me back to being 10, 12 years old, just making stuff. That's all I wanted to do was create and build things. And so how? Time you, doing. you did that, no, but you went on to school, to college, did you? Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure exactly what to do. But my guidance counselor told me that I had I probably should join the military oh. or, or do something like that. And, and I was like, yeah, I want to do something with art. I had an art teacher, Kathy Connor, and she, Mrs. Connor, she taught me like design and art, everything that we do, from the clothes we wear, the cars we drive. Uh, the, the roads, how they're laid out, the road signs. Someone has to create that artwork. Someone has to sit down first with a pencil and a piece of paper and think, what do we need here? What's the problem we need to solve today? And she said, that's someone's you, Jason. You you can do whatever you want. So that opened up my eyes. What a great message. Holy cow. I can be the guy that makes the road signs. <laughs> no, 
not a, not as sexy as that is, but like I remember thinking like very basic things. Like then it started hitting like well, the screwdriver handle, it didn't just exist. It didn't grow on a tree. Someone had to create that ergonomic, yet cool looking feel for the screwdriver handle. That hit me that there's designers everywhere. And right away I was like, I'm going to do video games. Video games are awesome. High school, I just built my first computer. Back then that was a pretty big, pretty big deal. And I figured out how to network it with another friend. And I was like, wow, we're playing games at the same time and different machines. And I thought like video games is where it's at. I get to create these like environments, really essentially playing and where there's going to be a park bench here. There's going to be a bad guy jump out here. And I got my chance to do that at Incredible Technologies. And I, I liked it, but I, I really wanted more. I wanted to make things. I wanted to, at the end of the day, I wanted to have an item or a part or a, something physical. Come to life. Yeah. And when, when it was all virtual like that, it was great. But I couldn't show my grandparents. I couldn't show, uh -huh. really show my mom and dad. It's, oh, you got to play this game. You got to buy this thing called a PlayStation. And... Then you gotta, you gotta, it wasn't enough for me. I wanted to, right. wanted to make stuff. That's great. Yeah. So I did that for almost half a year. And like I said, I worked with awesome people. It was fun, but I still wasn't really, didn't do it for me all the way. And then mm -hmm. I got a phone call from a, a gentleman on a Saturday morning. Uh, Paul Sr. called me. He's like, what do you think about working for me? <laughs> and I was like, working for you? What? No, I make video games. One of the licenses I made was for Orange County Choppers at the time. It's got a TV show started up. It was like, it was a hot ticket. So there was this license to do this game. And I got to design all the bikes and I'm like, you did a heads. game for Orange County Choppers. Right, correct. You worked on that. And then because of like licensing issues, they couldn't just use the bikes that they already did that were on the television show, it had to be new and fresh. So I got to design like 10 custom bikes. And I'm like, this is great. And I, I grew up in the dirt, riding more dirt bikes and four wheelers. And there was this one designer, Troy Lee Designs. And it was like, you get like a sticker kit for like 50 bucks and just plaster it all over your bike. And it totally changed the look of your bike. It was like in the nineties, it was like these neon colors and pinks and stuff. And I always thought, wow, this is cool. And so when I got my opportunity to design these choppers which was a lot different than a dirt bike i just ran with and so you transitioned from the game world to working on the show and doing yeah. all that and that was a strange i just remember luckily enough a guy at the software company the gaming company he had an orange county chopper and i remember he brought it in and like i just sat there like a third grader and i just asked question after question what's this what's it do and i i just took my pride because i was handy but i was still the guy that accidentally put diesel in my four wheeler oops so it's still kind of a clumsy mechanic okay and so i remember asking him question after question this is the primary drive everything this is the starter how it engages and so i just soaked all that in and then i designed all these bikes for the video game and that's when i got a phone call from paul and he, he was like I'll never forget it. It was like 7.30 in the morning on like Saturday, 21 years old. And I got a headache and I'm like, who's calling me? What is going on? And I said, no, I'm like, no, I got a job. And I love it. Then I got to thinking about it. And then a week later he called again and I was like, all right, I'll come out and talk with you. So I went out and it was, it was a different experience. I was like, well, oh, they're actually making things. And what was your role going to be in, in that? Designer, artist. Des designer of the bikes. Well, it wasn't like. 
he wasn't like, okay, I got this kid. He's 21. I'm going to put him in charge of this. And right. that. He was kind of, I really like what you did uh, on the game. And he could see the bigger picture, like from not tomorrow, but the next day and the next day and the next year. And he really wanted his shop to be more automated with the sense of creating the parts in house because they were really doing the guys that were there then they were doing a great job making unique bikes but it was like a lot of round bar getting welded together to look like webs it was crude he was cool but he was still outsourcing the mirrors that had to have the branding poured into them he was still outsourcing they buy gas tanks from different manufacturers he wanted to bring more of it in-house so he actually had the vision Hey, if I get a guy that can make the 3D parts, we can figure out how to make those parts. We could get machines. At the time, I had no idea what a CNC machine was. Oh. I'm going to tell you, I'm like, man, that thing looks like a spaceship. I don't know what it does. And so he tasked me with, can you bring in CNCs and, and figure out a way to get that all started? And that's what I did. I got a guy named Jim Quinn and I made some phone calls and got some help from the video game company, actually. They're super great people. They helped me out. And we got CNCs at Choppers and really revolutionized the way that they designed the bikes. It was no longer get a bike catalog and flip through and pick a gas tank that you think would look good with the frame that's on page 78 and what wheels should we pick. So that's to flash. restate it, it was like a custom bike was just putting together different components from catalogs <laughs> and you got into designing those parts. A bunch of great vendors. They had a right. He was right. fat cats that was doing the gas tanks and other American racing doing the frames. And, and so like they got them all on the same page, sort of, but to have it more all in house where we can really go over it. And that was uh, honest to God, it was Paul's vision. And it's like, he's not Mr. Technology or anything, but right. that was his idea of bringing me on. And I just ran with it. So you went from video game design to CAD in a right. sense, right? Yeah. I taught able... myself engineering. I always say. I'm a pretend engineer. <laughs> I pretend I'm like, like no enough. Like, do I have that certificate? No, I went to art school at yeah. the Art Institute and got my bachelor's degree there and just had fun because it was different. School my whole life has been like, here's a problem. You have to solve it. And I'm like, why? I need a reason. Why am I working on this? I don't want to solve for X. I don't care what X is. It's X's own problem and all these formulas. Yeah. And stuff. But when you start to apply it to you know, all right, how much fuel is going to be in this gas tank? Can this guy get to the next gas station on a three-gallon gas tank? You know what I mean? So yeah, that to me is where it really, that kicked in. And then at art school, it was all project-driven. Right. It was like, okay, who can make the best animation? Who can make the most intense character model? You were just, you were finally, that's when school to me was, it was like a freedom thing. It was like, okay, I can do what I want to do now. I don't have to sit through this science class or this history class that like i don't know i don't want to memorize stuff i don't want to just memorize things and then spit them out on paper and spit them out on a test and oh yeah. look i got a good grade i didn't even care about a good but once i hit art school project driven got to control it and you took over the reins so but the bikes are functional design is that how you might think about it yeah for sure. Yeah. All of our bikes would rip. have to work. They, they all went down the road. It was always fun because you didn't know what the drivetrain was going to be. Sometimes it was electric. Sometimes it was diesel. We even did a diesel, Briggs and Stratton motor, a lot of V-twin, old throwback V-twins, modern ones. So it was, uh, it was always a challenge on what project would 
next. David, do you have any comments? I was curious about what was the state of the art in terms of software and fabrication when you started and how did that change? Sure. sure. Yeah. Like when I started, I came with that, like 3d modeling was polygonal based. It was for video games. It was for animation. It was for fake things. It wasn't like solid modeling. It wasn't engineer driven. It wasn't hard numbers. Like I'm going to drill a hole here and it's bleed three inches over another hole. So I had to transition quite a bit. And I remember just having Photoshop and just drawing bikes and trying to get things to scale by taking pictures of them and putting the tire next to the frame. Okay. A front wheel, I got a frame at scale. I remember like hacking things together like that, but yeah, I, I came over with polygonal based stuff that wasn't suitable at all for engineering and actually making the motorcycle parts. So that's when I got introduced to, uh, SolidWorks from uh, Jeff Ray and Chris Salmers. They stopped by the shop one day and they're like, hey, we've seen what you're doing and we really dig it, but this software would make your life a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. Then I gave it a shot. And I was like, holy cow, this is exactly what I need. Because yeah. I was running the water jet machine and I'd, I'd draw up like a part, like I remember they had to make a car or something crazy for like these struts for a fender. And I'd draw it up in Adobe Illustrator. And then figure out how to get a DXF into the, and then like just positioning the circles were, and it was just, it was hard, man. I needed that hard, that, that solid engineering. So SolidWorks yeah. stepped in and that's where the light bulb went off. Can you talk about it? Was there a learning curve for you in, in trying to figure that all out? Funny story. Yeah. It was like 95 degrees, middle of summer, and we're in a shop with no air conditioning. We didn't have running water. There, there was literally a porter potty outside. And it was just like, man, this is true grit. It's grueling. We're really getting after it. And then so Jason's got the software training next week, right? Where am I going to do this at? These guys are coming in to really teach me. And Paul was like, I got it covered. You can go out in the pre-post. Really? So he pulled up his bus with the giant slide outs, like something like Taylor Swift would drive around in. And it's got the ace, like four AC units on it. It's yeah, just working here. So I remember that one week I got to go in the AC for the software training and that's where it all started, man. It was like, all right, you have two planes, they're intersecting. You need to make something. So mm -hmm. that's where I learned all the basics of SolidWorks and all the sketches and extrudes. Having a background in 3D modeling helped. I was able to get up and running and be pretty dangerous with it within a week or two. And I think the first part I made was a set of wheels. Did you draw as a kid? Yeah. And ironically, Drew, my mom reminded me of this. I drew motorcycle. Oh. Uh, they were dirt bikes because that's what, you know, it was like, that was it, the motocross and stuff. And I, I was fascinated with them doing flips and staying on the machine. And so I, I remember drawing motorcycles upside down and painting them. And my mom saved a bunch of that. And it was just super ironic how life rerouted me from video games back to motorcycles. Now I do all sorts of designs. After 300 bikes, it's not that you get bored of it, but it just becomes predictable. Yeah. And I like the challenge of doing something different. Recently, I finished a fishing lure. I made myself my own wallet that opens and closes toys for my kid. And it's just, it's always something different, which is what I like about having my own clients too. They come in with their problems and then I provide solutions for them. And it's just, it's opened up 
the world no longer just bikes, but it's everything. And that's the personality that I am. It's like very aggressive, one project to the next. And I do like the change and the, the freedom. Yeah. You know, that art teacher you had was prophetic, really. <laughs> yeah. You could design anything, right? I had no idea what I was, maybe the Marine Corps. I wasn't really sure. I'm like, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if I want to move away from home or not. And, uh, yeah, I just, I found what I was passionate about. And I think that's what most people eventually are drawn to what they're passionate about. For me, it was creating, it was drawing. I was into oil painting and I love doing landscapes and I did have cable television. So I didn't really know who Bob Ross was, <laughs> but people were like, oh, that's like Bob Ross. And I was like a senior in high school. I'm like, what does that mean? Is that a compliment? And I would just paint these like Lake Tahoe. I love painting Lake Tahoe and. I guess it was because it was so different from where I grew up in the cornfields, like mountains. I was just blown away by mountains, like <laughs> in Illinois, it's flat. So you have some young kids now, but you're trying to expose them a little bit to some of what? I, I have four kids, me and my wife, Crystal. And I just, I see like the excitement they have when we're building stuff, when we're making stuff, when we're crafting, and even if it's painting. And then my 3D printer, they just think it just generates toys. They call it like the toy maker. Yeah, it's what can we make now? And I just love working with them and being here at my home studio. And they're here and just being able to see their experiences. And now we have this software called SolidWorks Apps for Kids. Yeah. I'm getting my oldest, Maxton. He's eight now. So I'm getting him involved with that. He can model things and it's what kids like to do in these video games. They're able to build things and create things, which is awesome because when I played video games growing up, it was like, you had no choice. You were on this road and you had to go down it and you went through this world and that was it. Mm -hmm. Now these kids are able to build and create things inside these virtual spaces. It's, it's a whole new level. But like you, if we could get them to also look at the real world and say, I can build there too. And I think that's possible. They have to just have, when they see something, they have to understand that that wasn't technology that made it. That wasn't just a machine that generated it. There was a human being that created it, or maybe a team of humans. It's like people just like you. And just like, once that hits home with a child, then really anything's possible. They can see it. I think there's bring another access to fabrication being more accessible to people has maybe brought things back around for a long time. Things were hands-on because there were no computers and it was like all digital, all apps, all software, all internet. And now it's okay. I have all this software, but now a little thing is coming up and I'm on the bed of my 3D printers, maybe bringing things back around. Sure. And you know what? Just like, I remember, I don't know. 16 years ago, maybe a little more, I got a 3D printer and it was like the size of a refrigerator. And it was like, holy cow, it's like teleporting objects into the 3D space. And now it's just, it's cool that it's more approachable now. There's companies that are making highly affordable 3D printers that you can bring into your home and they're just so combat, compact and it's easier to access software than ever before. A lot of companies are doing, like we're doing the maker package at SolidWorks, 3D experience SolidWorks for makers. And it's $99 a year. It's pretty cheap for yeah. the power of all the software. Some of it's like those first the 3D printers and a lot of this equipment, they were the equivalent of mainframes in, in their day. And a few people, well, industrial design shops had them and things like yeah. that. And now you can have them at home. You have them in the library. Maybe Same with the CNC cool. machine. There was a point in my life where it's like, man, I'd love to have one of those in my garage. But that was like 
that was so left field, like thinking like, how am I going to afford one of those? Those are crazy. But the Tormach machine I have is highly affordable and it's got a small footprint. So it slides right in my garage here. And you know what? It's that type of technology just wasn't there years ago, but it's just like anything, everything evolves and it keep, keeps evolving. It's true though, that software has made it easier for more people to do things that previously you'd have to be a highly trained professional to do. And uh, so it lowers the bar a bit. It doesn't necessarily make you good at things, but it, it does give you the you capability. To, you still need a mind. You still yeah. need a creative mind. And I always tell any kids at schools that I speak at or anything, I'm like, you still, you need to understand that it doesn't just happen because you have the best equipment doesn't happen because you have the sharpest pencil or the really high-end markers or $20 a piece. Doesn't make the design happen. It's you. It's the person, the creativity, and number one, the drive. Because if you're not inspired to make something and do it, then you're not doing it. So you really need that inspiration fueled by creativity to pursue the dreams yeah. that you, of things that you want to create and make. It's part of our message. These are just tools, but they need you to power them really yeah. to imagine how they'll be used and what outcome you want from that and even to experiment with them to figure out the different things you can get from it. i think that's a great message i think to to people is sometimes we think it's i think people in the technology industry think it's the technology and it's and not it's really the people the wright brothers in the early 1900s making the first airplane yeah. imagine if they had solidworks oh yeah you want to do a flow study yeah you could test that oh you want to see how much weight this is yeah just don't it's wow. And they did it with what tools they had available to them. Yeah. And it's just amazing. You think about how many questions they, they would have had uh, about how does this really work? How does this make a change? <laughs> this change make a difference? All that. And you can do some of that. Yeah. To just change the material model. properties exactly. by selecting this and, and saying, you know what? We're going to change that from steel right. to aluminum. It answers right. the questions for you. Right. It does a lot of the hard math right there instantly. Jason, thank you for your time today, and I really appreciate the chance to get to know you and learn more about what you're doing. I appreciate your enthusiasm for making, and it's infectious. I, certainly, that's the kind of thing we want to share with more people. Oh, right on. Yeah. Dale, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I love just talking with other makers like you and David here. So anytime yeah. you guys need me, hit me up. Great. All right. Thank you. MakeCast is brought to you by the members of Make Community who support makers in their community and around the world. To learn more about membership, visit make.co.